State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with us. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. They girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with Hey, everybody. Welcome to the best of. This is what I'd like to call our, our year in review, our, our wrap up, our look ahead, all of the things uh, on the Naked podcast. We started this tradition a couple of years ago. When we started the podcast. Uh, it was based on, believe me, it's based on the most downloads and arguably the most popular uh, moments that we've had throughout the year. 
But I take a moment to talk about uh, just the year in general. Um, I think so much happens and we go through so much good, bad, trauma, sad, chaos, calm, calamity, you name it. And we don't ever really take stock. When we get to the end of the year, we always look ahead to what our resolutions would be. I challenge you guys who are listening right now, just write down three things that you did significantly this year. Go all the way back from January 1 of 23 and then take it full circle to January 1, 2024, soon to be. Um, you deserve to acknowledge all the good. I just said three, uh, and that's just because my memory is bad. I'm sure there have been at least 20 amazing moments uh, that that I have been able to document throughout the year. And what I mean by definition of amazing, of moments that arguably um, made me better, not worse, moments that were tough but helped me grow, moments that were character building. I just got into this conversation with uh, a really good friend of mine and I was asking her, no, you've been through a lot. And do you have any regrets? And she said, no. And I said, okay, acceptable. Have you learned anything? And she said, I've learned a lot. And sometimes I think that's the best gift. Obviously, when you're going through it, you don't think it's the best gift, but it's a great gift. So what I mean by amazing is amazing accomplishments. And that has to do with maybe you had a huge raise at work. And another amazing accomplishment, maybe you and your sister are speaking again. And that in itself, while difficult, was an amazing accomplishment. I'm just throwing that out there. Nothing personal about me. Um, So what I decided to do, because oftentimes as we look ahead to the new year, we start thinking about what we're not going to do. We're going to eat better. We're going to exercise more. We're going to fall in love. We're going to be good with our money. um, We're going to be nice or we're not going to curse. All the things, all the things to make us better. We're going to start January 1, dry January. I don't believe in that. Uh, However, I do know there are two things that consistently come up. Uh, among me, my friends, a lot of folks. And that is what this Year in Review podcast will be. I'm going to give you or introduce you to four highlighted moments, but I'm grouping them. And the first act, I'll call it love and how to define it. Uh, I was able to have my really good friend Jessica on the podcast, and she is a beautiful single black woman, lives in Brooklyn, and she had been meeting throughout the year some really interesting characters And while this story is really funny, I don't want anybody to be offended. She was just having a hard time finding a good guy. She has since decided if you care for the update, da, 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 I'll tell you on the tag. She has since decided something about love. But first, I want you to hear her story. I coupled Jessica's story uh, with another podcast that was also in some form or fashion about love. And that was Maya. She is that singer. I don't know how to sing, so I don't even know why I did that. Hopefully, my great editor can fix that. That's my version of singing. She, too, talked about love uh, in her latest album that just recently came out earlier this year. And she also talked about not love necessarily finding it, but what it means for her and what it represents. And I thought that was an interesting way to look at love as we head into this new year. In the second act, uh, we talked to two comedians that have quote unquote, made it in their own rights in different times, um, arguably different decades, but both very successful household names. And how do you sustain success, especially in a business as mercurial as being a comedian, an actress, a singer, all the things. 
Well, these two comedians, Gina Yashir and Tommy Davidson, tell really interesting perspectives, obviously from their purview, she being a woman, he being a man. And it's really interesting um, how they go about making fun of their lives as they've tried to pursue success and define it. I hope you enjoy this year in review of Naked. For those who are listening, Jessica and I hit every spot in the city. We went to Seville to listen to live music. Um, we hung out with different people that I kind of was interested in. And after I was kind of interested in somebody, Jessica would give a quick recap, like he's not the one because maybe, you know, we don't want to go out with him because I saw him pick his nose at the table. I'm like, Jessica, everybody <laughs> picks their nose. Why are you so picky? You know what I mean? Or, or you know, like Jessica, love is hard to find. And every every Jack needs a Jill. Every Jill needs a Jack. Every Jill needs a Jill. You know what I mean? I was like, you can't be that way. No. So we decided to go to, so fast forward, I'm skipping over a lot of things. We decided to go to London to see Beyonce. Yes. This is going to be a time, but we weren't going together. Mm -mm. We were going separately. It just so happens we were going to the same concert. So I'm like, girl, I'm going to see you in London. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. Mm -hmm. So Jessica gets to London and just is living her little cute self. Like she's dancing. She's meeting all kind of men. She's like, girl, I met five men last night. I met two men the other night. I met this one man here and this one man there. And you met one guy who was really sweet to you. Mm -hmm. And it was a sign of chivalry. And we were like, this might be it. Mm -hmm. Please explain Bachelor number two. Bachelor number two. Oh, what a wonderful person. <laughs> First of all, let me just say to the black ladies, <laughs> if you're looking for love, go to London. They love themselves a black American woman. I mean, they do. You got to bat them off with, it's like a fly swatter. You're like, I can't even mm -hmm. go down the block without somebody mm -hmm. running up on me. I think I might have to move to London. Well, I think I might have to move to London just for like you might. two weeks. For love. That was, that was, yeah. that was an experience, but out of all the gentlemen, I went on several dates in London. I was only there for like four days. <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> Boy. We've moved on. We've and now moved we're on, on to Bachelor number two. So, bachelor number two. So that so I had several dates in London. They were amazing, but there was this one guy who was my knight in shining armor. He saved me from a pretty racially charged situation. Um and the next day. Um, check what was me. the racially charged situation? Oh, my gosh. There was this gentleman uh, who decided to spew racial slurs at me and call me out of my name, walking out of the Soho house in Shoreditch. And, you know, the PG County and me was shocked and stunned. And when I got outside is when I confronted him about his disgusting behavior um, mm. and just had to let him know, like, don't you ever talk to a black queen like that again? Because mm -hmm. I'm not the one or the two or the three. So this gentleman came in between this feud and told the guy flat out, like, you're disrespectful, you're wrong. And just came to my rescue. And I felt... Oh, that's wonderful. It was wonderful. I felt very valued. I felt appreciated. I felt protected because I'm in this country that, you know, by myself, you know, I've only been there once before and it was like late at night and I've never had somebody like attack me verbally with like with racial undertones, like really racist undertones. So it was a very vulnerable moment. And so he um, invited me out to brunch the next day just to check on me, make sure I was good. But this is the day of our concert. 
So we're at brunch. We have a really good energy, a good vibe. He's so sweet to me, so nice. Um, and then he wanted to spend more time. And I'm like, listen, I have to get a bottle of Vuv for Carrie and I's car ride to the concert because we're having a party in the car. So Yeah, we're having an Uber party, guys. Uber. We're driving safely. We are not drinking. I mean, we're not driving. We are being chauffeured around by this great, lovely Uber guy. And we need some champagne. We that makes perfect sense. Go exactly. ahead. Yes, we don't drink and drive over here. Oh, no. We so, don't do that. Mm-mm, mm-mm, <laughs> we can't. Mm-mm, life is so important. <laughs> don't drink and drive. PSA. Okay. Don't drink and drive. <laughs> so he does the nicest things. Like, I'll go upstairs to get dressed in my hotel. He's like, I'll go get you the bottle for you and your friend. When I come down, he has another drink waiting for me. Doing all the things. Met me back in my part of town after the concert, remember? He spent the night. No hanky-panky, guys. No hanky-panky. But he spent the night. You just did an adult. You did an adult-friendly sleepover, which people do often. Exactly. Oh, no. Right. Okay. <laughs> adult-friendly I mean, sleepover. If you, and by the way, if you didn't want to do just an adult-friendly uh, sleepover, that's fine, too. I mean, yeah. you're good and grown. Like, you you pay your bills and your taxes. That's Go right. ahead. So mm-hmm. then um, we went out on a few more dates after that because I was there a couple more days, like a day or two. He wanted to see me again, took me to dinner. And on my life. Wait a second. So he's just really into you. I want to make sure. Yeah. I don't mean to keep cutting you off, but he's really into you and he wants to see you while you're in London. By this time, I had left. I had a quick stay. I was yeah. in and out. And you were in the city and you were being romanced by this lovely gentleman who was like your knight in shining armor. Yes, with a great accent. And then my last night after dinner, he spent the night again, no hanky panky. But in the middle of the night, I felt. I just get a little restless at times. So I rolled over and I slowly opened my eyes just, you know, four in the morning. And I'm not sure if I saw it because this is what I said to you. I think I saw something, but I don't know if I actually saw the something. But what I think that I saw that I might have really seen was him sucking his thumb. Mm-mm. 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 You see what now? <laughs> now? What was he doing? So what I said was, is that I may have potentially kind of seen him kind of sucking his thumb in mm-hmm. fetal position. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I closed my eyes. <laughs> 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 I see no evil. I said, no, <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> You said no and close your eyes tight because you were hoping it was a, a, a fathom of your imagination. I thought I was in a, a dream state. rather, of your imagination. Carrie, you know I thought I was dreaming. I, there's no okay. possible way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. But no, because mm-hmm. I closed my eyes just really quickly like, Lord, mm, we're not doing this. Why? You got jokes up there. You got some jokes upstairs, Father God. Um, but I said... <laughs> On February 14th, I know people ask you about this often, uh, 2020, fresh fresh into the pandemic on Valentine's Day, you married yourself for your music video, The Truth. Why did you do that? That's an art for you. You're expressing yourself. But that's um, a beautiful a beautiful proclamation. What made you make that the video? Well, I think um, there's this narrative and a lot of questions that have come about in my career, especially in my later career. Why are you not married? Why do you not have kids? Mm. How come no one has wiped you up? You know, there's been many proposals, et cetera. But what I want to (laughs) convey was a different message and also a real message for me. 
uh, because of this fixation on marriage for women and men um, and age for me especially and what that feels like. Not all women can have children. Not all women want children. Not all men want children or want to be married and that's okay. Everyone's lives are different. But marrying myself was not a physical ceremony. It was in the music video and I think... What happened in the press with just one picture and the fixation uh, was shown. So Mm -hmm. why are people fixated on this idea? Because that's how we were raised in this particular society, that you're not an honest woman. Oh, you must be a liar if you're not married or some man has not Mm -hmm. swept you off of your feet Mm -hmm. from the early movies Mm -hmm. that we see animated movies where we have to give up a gift or a part of ourselves to live this happily ever life? Um, I think not. So (laughs) what is it about this that is not resonating, resonating with me is the question. So in a spiritual journey, and I'm always on one, um, it was about getting to the core of who Maya is and self-love and committing to myself. And what does that look like is the question. Um, you can't obviously think you're going to attract anything good for you if you're not together. So this was about self-work, self-realization, mm. self-love, mm. self-boundaries. Um, and it had nothing to do with anyone else. And so what that means is putting in, well, taking in and taking on positive energy uh, from what I tune into what I'm putting into my body, uh, sleep, (laughs) Um, recharging as I exert myself in my life or career, making sure that my cuff is full as a provider um, and making sure that I also learn how to say no in certain circumstances as a giver. Um, That's what that spiritual marriage was about. Physically, it was conveyed with a wedding dress, what what people understand most in this society in particular. But that was also a song that I wrote with that concept in mind. Um, Speaking to yourself highly with positive words uh, so that you choose you in times where the world might not be choosing you and you may not feel worthy or you're questioning, how come? because everyone else is questioning you. How come? It starts with mm-hmm. you. It literally starts with you and everything else branches out just like a tree. So what you put into you, you receive back from the world. And so this is also confrontation with myself. No excuses. Get it together. And that's what, in a nutshell, a spiritual marriage looks like and it shows up eventually physically in all areas of your life financially mentally emotionally professionally and now people are asking me what my secret is my secret literally is marrying myself spiritually and committing to myself in all areas of my life where maybe i was lacking putting Mm -hmm. the love back into that's beautiful yeah. And then that that's allows beautiful. you to give that's back beautiful. to the world and fulfill your purpose. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. 
but people don't get that. That is oh, a, you're conceited. <laughs> Why did you? Yeah, know yeah, no. Yeah, no, that's not what that. <laughs> I understood that there was a message there, but you explaining that made me think like. Why do we have to adhere to what society says? If you can really be comfortable in your own skin, knowing that's what you did, that 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 translates in a lot of different ways. And that's when I was going back to you're very comfortable. This is what you've decided to do. And it's work. We all do. We always have to do the work. All of us every day have to do the work. Um, and I think that message resonates with women such as myself, single. You know what I mean? I'm not married. I don't have kids. What's wrong with you? And you're like, nothing. I'm perfectly fine, actually. <laughs> perfectly <laughs> fine. <laughs> Everyone's life is not supposed to look the same. So It's not been, supposed to look yeah. the same. Yeah. yeah. I embrace adversity. I embrace the place of love that sometimes criticism or we can take as criticism comes from because maybe there is a a beautiful experience that other people want you to share. And so correcting yeah. my thoughts as well, as I intake so many opinions of the world, mm -hmm. regardless of the topic, uh, that's self-correction mm -hmm. and self-assessment, which is also a part of that self-love journey, not beating up yourself or, or I would say being absorbed by the negativity that our thoughts can immediately Go to. You know what that music means. It means we have to pay some bills. But fast forward because we're doing the best of our year in review, if you will, of Naked. Back in a moment. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked with You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm -hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. 
It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Bring along the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies to add a sprinkle of joy to your workday. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hey y'all, we're back. This is again our year in review of Naked. This is Act Two. If you are paying attention, uh, this is the pursuit of success from the purview of two very well-known comedians. Hope you enjoy. Well, why did you want to just stay there in in the UK? Why did you want to? Quote unquote, do it here in the States. Because I'd hit a glass ceiling. As a black comedian in England, I'd hit a glass ceiling. I'd hit, hit I'd make, I got to a certain level of fame and fortune. And I was coming up with white comedians who were very similar to me in talent. And they were, where I was selling theaters based on my own hard work. You know, I, I could sell out a 2,000 seat theater, perhaps. My pe- white peers, were able to do 17,000 seat stadiums because they were given a lot more opportunities to be on TV. So mm. I'd always be the guest on someone else's TV, but I could never get on someone else's TV show, but I could never get my own TV show as a black woman. Whereas my white peers who I came up with were all getting their own TV shows, which then led to them being exposed to a much larger audience, which meant they can go and do these massive tours. And I was never going to get to that because the TV industry in England is run by old white men who only give TV shows to other white men. So I'd hit a glass ceiling. And for me as a child living in England, I'd always known when, from the age of four, I knew that England was not where I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be in America. From childhood, I thought American kids had a better life. You know, every TV show I saw was American <laughs> kids running to the beach to hang out with their friends on the beach and <laughs> riding bikes around town solving crimes. So I always thought that the kids in America had a much better life. So from childhood, (laughs) I wanted to be in America. 
even when I worked as an engineer, I worked for Otis, which was an American company, because my plan was to uh, transfer and become an, an engineer in America. Always. My plan had always been to come to America from the age of four. So then when I started doing comedy, I was like, well, America's the home of comedy. So one day I'm going to go to America and do comedy. So even when I started out, even when I was doing really well in England, I'd fly out to America every year and just go to comedy clubs and just go up and do my stuff just to see if my stuff traveled. So I knew I could perform in America long before I moved here because I was out here coming out on vacations, getting in New York, going to Miami, just going up at comedy clubs and going, I'm a comedian from England. I let, let me go up and do five minutes. You don't even have to pay me. And I just go up and do five minutes. So I always knew. And I knew that I, and when I hit that glass ceiling in England, that was even more, um, you know, uh, of an incentive for me to get the hell out. Yeah. To do what you, so you, it's interesting. You, you, I feel like Hollywood is run <laughs> by white men, but you, yeah, you, there is. is, but there is more of an opportunity for you to thrive than there is one in the UK. Yeah, I always say that I hit the glass ceiling in the UK and I was probably making at that point 150 grand a year. Uh-huh. But when you hit the, the glass heel, the glass ceiling for black performers in America is much higher than the one in the UK. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Even if I hit the glass ceiling in America, I can hit the glass ceiling as a millionaire. Uh-huh. You know what you're, right. you're right. No, you're right. Um, you're right. I was like, I'd rather go to America and hit that glass ceiling because at you're least right. I, I'll be a millionaire when I hit it and I can cry in my money. Yeah. <laughs> it's so awful here, but I've got yeah. my money. So then you, yeah. come, you come here, you get on the circuit, 875, something I'll never, ever forget. Um, it's <laughs> robbery. Um, and yeah. But it is, I do, I know the scene. I, I'm very familiar with how people are like, this is, this is how you're going to make it. You start working. How long does it take you in terms of years? Five years, six years, when you will you finally get to a point where you, you are moving comfortably and not making 875 a show? Uh, after I moved to New York. So yeah. I was in LA for seven years. And then in those seven years, every year, I'd fly to New York and just ingratiate myself with all the comedy clubs in New York. So I got into the cellar, I got into the Gotham comedy club and I just started get, and I, I do like two or three weeks in New York and the comedy clubs in New York paid decently, hmm. not as much as they paid in England, but you could do a bunch of sets around New York, get $120 here, a hundred here, $80 here. So over a weekend you could make a thousand to $1,200 to $1,500 over a weekend just doing sets all over New York, just running around New York doing different comedy clubs because they paid anywhere between $50 and $130 for a set. Some clubs even paid $200 a set. So I was like, oh, the comedy clubs in New York, it's, it's merit-based. It's not based on who your agent knows because in LA, so I couldn't get on at a lot of the com comedy clubs in LA because I didn't have a big-name agent who could make a call and get me on stage there. Whereas in comedy in, in New York, the, the comedy clubs, it was more merit-based. If you're good, you got booked. So I'd go, when I was living in LA, I'd fly to New York every year and I'd come back to LA with my pockets full of cash. Mm. And I was like, 
oh, if I go to New York, I can actually make somewhat of a living in New York while I'm waiting for the big break. So I left LA after seven years. I'm like, I'm going to New York because I want to do comedy. I don't want to, I don't want to go for auditions. I can't do an American accent. I don't want to play mm -hmm. security guard on young Sheldon. I want to be. <laughs> I didn't want that. <laughs> so I was like, I, I saw a lot of my, my agents kept sending me auditions and I was like, I don't want that. I'm, I'm not going to turn up for this audition. You know, I'm not going to learn an American accent so I can be the fucking, the sassy security. <laughs> or, 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 you know, mama Yeah, exactly. I know. We just need some diversity in this episode. Yeah. So put in the yeah. black security guard. I yeah. got it. So, I, <laughs> so I, I refused to go for those auditions. So I was like, I'm going to go to New York and do comedy there. And, and I'm just going to do comedy. And then from there... I'll try and get booked at comedy clubs around the country and just try to make a living. So I moved to New York and in between my on the road gigs where I'd go to a comedy club in wherever, Philadelphia and do a weekend at a comedy club, I'd be able to work in the city. So I didn't have to go to London so often to do the bank rate because I could work and earn my rent money doing comedy clubs in New York. And then from then I started to get booked for, you know, I, I booked my first, I made, I started make, making my own specials. So I was trying to get stand up specials on Showtime and Netflix and, and nobody would give me a special. So I was like, well then, fuck you guys, I'm going to make my own special. <laughs> so my first special I made in London in uh, 2008, went to London, sold out a 2000 seat of theatre booked my own camera crew, my own director, and shot my own special. How did you start in comedy? What was the genesis of that for you? My friend Howard, who grew up hey with Howard. me. Okay. Hey, Howard. Okay. Hey, He out there. If he ain't out there, then you can, you can talk to Monique or, or Sheila or Cartoon or Harvey or Leah or Monique. You know, he got a lot of brothers and sisters. But he's the one who told me, you know, you stupid. <laughs> you stupid, man. <laughs> You don't even know. You could be in Hollywood right now doing movies and all that. And you're happy to be an assistant chef at a Ramada in Virginia. He's like, come on, man, you're crazy. So he looked, he um, made me go down to the worst strip club in D.C., the penthouse. And, <laughs> and there was a mic available where the guy said, he's going to let you on stage. So I went there. I stood there for a while. The guy turned to me and said, all right, you go ahead on. I turned to Howard. I was like, well, what do you want me to say? Howard said, I don't care what you say. Just say something. Mm -hmm. And from the first thing I said, people laughed. And within a year, I was in, I was in Hollywood. And wow. now I'm talking to you. It happened. Wow. Like that. Wow. Wow. So wait, you were a chef at the Ramada in Virginia. Howard said, you're wasting your time. Let's go to the strip club. His open mic. You go. You don't know what to say. First thing you say, they start laughing. And then at that moment, it just clicked. Like, this is what you were going to do for yep. your life. It had been there the whole time. Uh, assistant chef. I ain't gonna okay, I'm that, sorry. That. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was qualified because I was working, working as a prep cook since I was 15. So the chef knew me. So when he got the big job, he took me with him because he you know I knew what to do. Uh -huh. 
So wait, tell me more. I'll go back to the chef, the assistant chef gig in a second. So then you do this at the penthouse. You, everyone loves you. Do you just start performing there every night? Do you start finding local uh, clubs to go up and do open mic in the neighborhood, in the DMV area? What happens next? It was a, it was an avalanche. It was an avalanche. You remember um, Mason, um, Mason Buffy had to join. Ooh, what's the thing about comedy? And it, I went. So, so it was like, it was like, I ended up uh, doing talent shows. I ended up doing concerts, opening concerts. And I just, it, it just started rolling and rolling. As a matter of fact, there was a television show that preceded Def Jam and all of them. The first one was here at Howard University. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was the first, you know, Andy Evans was a brilliant guy who said, we should have a TV show just with black comics. That was the first time. And um, so I came from that centrifity. The first time I went to a comedy club for open night, I mean, open mic night, I met Martin and Dave Chappelle. That's how we met. You see? Two, two other small names that came out of D.C., <laughs> two other tiny you know? little names. Yeah. I think I've heard of them. I, yeah. I read that you lived in the same neighborhood as Dave. Is that true? Or you guys kind of grew up around one another? He got, I lived in Silver Spring on 16th and East West Highway. He lived a little further up. So yeah, he lived, he lived, he didn't live in my neighborhood. He lived near it. Okay. So, so where he lived, everybody went to play basketball, you know? So he, 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 he basically isn't from my neighborhood, but he's he from around the way. Can you point to one single moment, whether it be um, a show, a comedy show, um, a TV show, um, a movie, something that really defined your career and established you as a comedian, a premier comedian, a part of that that OG cast of greats? I think it was the night that I went on in the main room at the comedy store, which was the 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 real deal. And I got put on the show with Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor. And I was thinking I was the host. And they told me, no, you're on the show with them. You all do a half an hour each. And you're, you're sandwiched between the two of them for four shows. So. Amazing. I, so I turned, I turned it out. I turned up. Y'all say turn up, right? Yeah. Yeah. The kids still say that. I, how amazing. Listen Aww, to that. Look at you. The, I like that. The kids that. still like say that. that. The main room, you're talking about here in LA, right? And you were sandwiched between Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Yeah. I was doing that well in all the other rooms. So it was my turn to get in the big room. And um, I, di- I didn't disappoint. I was like, I was, I looked like Michael Vick in his first season. <laughs> So watch out. They could catch you. They Nuh-uh. could catch you. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, what yeah. Was that like? It was Were the you best nervous? night of my life. No, I wasn't because I had gone from having two little cars and a job to taking the bus. I ain't never, I didn't think you, you was going to catch me on the bus for the rest of my life. You know? I, I used to, we used to do laundry and go get groceries on a bus. Are you crazy? So, so here I am catching the bus, you know, Mexicans with cowboy hats on. Somebody got the bike <laughs> tied to the front of the daggone bus or whatever. And I'm like, and a bus stop from all that, from being at a bus stop, you know, and, and, and 
working at working at delis and making ends meet and staying out all night, every night doing comedy. And I was about to go home because it was just like too much. I had a job. I go back to D.C., do my thing. And then I did that show. I remember my mother sent me a letter in the mail uh, before that show, the week before that show. And it was one of those big legal, on the legal, yellow legal paper, you know, yep. long ones. <laughs> and she wrote a little magic marker. She left a $20 bill. She said, I know you need that. And don't leave, baby. I love you. Yep. 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 And I didn't go. And man, that happened. So I called her and I said, guess what happened? Because Richard Pryor, after the show, found me in, in the little room I was in. And he looked me up and down like I was a strange animal. He went, you're a funny mother. And walked away. <laughs> and we was like, yeah. And I called my mother. And um, I told her what happened. She said, I told you not to leave. Hey, everybody. So I appreciate you. Happy New Year, if you're listening at the New Year. Happy before New Year and this happy year period. Thank you for paying attention all season long and really being loyal. Um, one of my highlights of the year, we talk about something amazing that happened. Uh, one of the highlights of the year was that I went to Paris in November. And I don't know if I've really, really shared this with you all, but I went with a good group of my girlfriends. We do this trip every year where we pick a place and we go. And we love it. We normally go in the sun, but this year we got a little cold. And uh, we went to Paris and we went to support Don Staley and her basketball team. That was the first time that a women's program on the collegiate level was able to travel overseas and host it and be the main attraction. And they were playing against Notre Dame. And I always thought to myself, these teams are so amazing. I'm so excited. I love what's happening with these coaches, more specifically these black women. But while I was there, this is what the key was. While I was there, a young lady walks up to me in this crowded gym in Paris. And she doesn't say, hey, Carrie, I really love you from ESPN. She doesn't say, hey, Carrie, um, I've seen you on your Vice show that you have with your bestie. Um, hey, Carrie, I know you from sports. She, none of those things, you know, came out of her mouth. What she said was, oh, my God. Hey, Carrie from Naked. I love the podcast. I listen to it every week. What? What? And I was like, who is she talking to? And it was really special because in this crowded gym that had hundreds of people, it was pretty crowded. And I was with a bunch of luminaries myself. She recognized me for what the work we do here is. And for me, that was one of the highlights of the year. The other highlight that I'll give you. Uh, I didn't talk to many of you about this, but our girl, Jessica, what did she decide to do? She decided just to be single. She's like, I'm all set. I'm just going to take this year off. <laughs> she was like, I am all set. I do not want to do it. I refuse to do it. Um, so there you have it. I, I appreciate her essentially just saying I'm a focus on me. If it happens, it happens. But I'm tired of talking about men. I'm tired of that being my focus. Love will find me. So that was wonderful. And then as far as everything else, well, it's still true. I want you really, truly to just take the time and write down all the amazing things that you've done. Thank you for listening to Naked. Let's hope that we have an amazing 2024. And here's to just maybe keeping resolutions, but more importantly, enjoying what we've already accomplished. 
Talk to you guys in a week or so. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.